Greetings, Mavuno family. It's such a joy to bring you God's Word today. I want to thank God for all the Compass pastors who are hosting this video in their compasses. Uh, come on, if you, if you love your Compass pastor, if you have an amazing Compass pastor, can you give them a big shout right now? Shout out for your Compass pastors. Woo! It's so, so we, we're proud of you, Compass pastors. Uh, a big shout out also to our watch parties, uh, which are hosted by people who've been invited their family and their friends to watch today's service in their homes. We're so proud of you for being willing to share your living room so that other people who may not find their ways into a regular church will be able to encounter Jesus. And so I'm really ex extremely proud of you. I'm also very uh, proud of this extremely generous congregation called Mavuno Church. Many of you have already given your pledge towards our fast fruit giving, and God bless you for that. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what God does and the crazy miracle stories that are going to be in this church uh, this year. I also want to just uh, say for those of you who haven't already pledged to give your first fruits, uh, you can still do that. There's still time. You can go to our website, www.mavunochurch.org, and you're going to find a link there that will help you to do that. So, I want to dive right into God's Word, and we've been going through a series called Unshakable. You see, the world around us is facing many storms as we go into this new year called 2024, but God's desire is that His people will be unshakable. And the Scripture promises, uh, the Scripture promise that God gave to us as a movement this year is from 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the verse that you all know so well because you can say it with me right now. Come on, let's go together. Therefore... My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Come on, somebody. That's our word. That's a word that we're standing on this year. And the question we're asking is, how do we develop that unshakable faith? Uh, first of all, by understanding that the battles we face in life that are the foundation, they are all spiritual. I mean, you walk into a Muslim shop, you walk into a Hindu shop, and you're going to find a, a, a little idol somewhere, an altar somewhere. You're going to find a prayer room somewhere. Because all these peoples, they understand that life is spiritual. I think it almost seems like it's mostly Christians who don't get this one. But life is spiritual, and spiritual battles cannot be won with physical weapons. And we're saying that one of the reasons that, one of the ways we're going to become un unshakable is begin to, beginning to understand how to bring spiritual weapons into the spiritual battles that we face. The second way we develop an unshakable faith is when we understand who our true leader is. When God's business is your business, then your business becomes God's business. And when I make God, uh, when, when I bring everything up that I have and make it God's, and I say, God, this is your business, you're the boss, and ask him for his, his direction, then what happens is I begin to understand, I begin to become passionate about his business. And guess what happens? My business, the business that I'm doing now, because it's God's business, God will always be about it. Such an important, such important and powerful truths. I want you, if you haven't had a chance to listen yet, go on our website, www.mavunochurch.org. Or you can also search for Pastor M, my podcast on Spotify, and you'll be able to get those there. Now, I really like the graphic that our creative team has developed for this series. Why do I like it? Because when they had the word unshakable, the picture that they developed for us was a lighthouse that has been lashed by storms, ferocious storms for years, but is still standing strong. You know, they immediately understood that the word unshakable does not connote a beautiful, soothing, safe, serene setting. <laughs> but instead, it implies being able to stand strong, 
despite the great challenges and dangers that you face. You see, being unshakable means that my prayer moves. It stops being, God, keep me away from any obstacles. And it becomes, God, give me the strength to overcome any obstacles. And that's why we need to continue into our story where we left, because we're learning how to be unshakable. We're going through the, 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 the book of Joshua, learning from this one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. And we're being trained on how to take over our promised land. They were facing an impossible obstacle. These guys, the people in, in, the, book of, in, in the book of Joshua. And we want to read from Joshua chapter 6. Uh, from verse 1 to 20, and the title of my sermon today is Manufacturer's Instructions. Manufacturer's Instructions. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Much around the city, with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. Allow me to skip to verse 11. It says, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, they went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the seventh day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and in the same manner and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time round, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Forward with me again to verse 20. And it says, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that everyone charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I want to say as I begin that the city of Jericho, it's the oldest fortified city in the world. That's what historians tell us. It's located in the West Bank, which today, that's, you've, you've probably heard that uh, phrase, the West Bank. It's the west side of the Jordan River. And it's a part of the Palestinian state, the modern Palestinian state today. Archaeologists tell us that this city was built on a mound or a hill and probably not, had not one, but two very huge walls that encircled it. The first one, the outer wall, was six feet thick. So six feet is about my height. So, I mean, it's not a, we're not talking about a little wall. We're talking about a, a big wall. And it was about 20 feet high. The inner wall, the, the second wall, was 12 feet thick. So it was like two men and went up 30 feet high. And between the walls was a guarded walkway that was about uh, 15 feet wide. So this was a well-guarded city and well-protected city supplied with freshwater springs within and with plenty of food. So it wasn't a city that you could easily come and besiege. 
And in addition, our text tells us it was on the highest alert level, which ruled out any element of surprise. It was ruled by a king who was defended by a great well-armed army. And so thinking about it, Joshua was actually out of options. Humanly speaking, the city of Jericho was an impossible obstacle for the Israelites to conquer. You know, as you go through this year, you will very likely face impossible obstacles in your way. Some of you are already facing those obstacles right now, even as you listen to this message. There's someone who's listening to this who's maybe facing a, a, the threat of chemotherapy. You're going for a session and you don't know how it's going to turn out. There's someone here who's recovering from a divorce. There's someone who is facing, you've been served and you're facing an unjust lawsuit. There's someone here who's trying to break an addiction and you've been struggling with it for a long time. There's someone who is overwhelmed because you're raising a special needs child and you're overwhelmed right now with bills and also just not knowing what the future will hold. There's someone here who's trying to stand up for Christ in a hostile work environment or a hostile academic environment. And, and it's just difficult every day going to work. Someone else is dealing with a chronic illness and all manner of obstacles that are facing God's people as we start this year. What do you do when you face impossible obstacles? I want to start by just giving you an encouragement for, from today's word because God says something very powerful to Joshua in verse 6, chapter 6, verse, verse two, uh, chapter 6, verse 2. He says, See, I've given Jericho into your hands with its king and its mighty men of valor, its king and its armed men. Even before Joshua had briefed his army, God declared to him that the victory was already won. Listen, this victory is in past tense. This, I mean, it, Joshua hasn't even started. But God is saying it doesn't matter how great this city is. It doesn't matter how tightly guarded or how high its walls are. It doesn't matter how cl clever its king is or how mighty are its men of valor. God had already given them victory even before the battle began. Child of God, I love this fact that God is not running around heaven in a panic because of the impossible obstacles that you're facing today. God saw them coming. That shock you're facing in your marriage, it's not caught God by surprise. He's not in shock because of the problems in your health. He's not caught by surprise because of your difficult financial situation. Remember, God can see the end from the beginning. <laughs> and while all you're seeing is the imposing walls of the obstacle ahead of you, God can see around that obstacle to see the victory that is behind you. Listen to me. What you see as a battle ahead of you, God sees as a victory behind you. Come on, somebody. Am I speaking to somebody in the church today? Do I have people here who are witnesses of this? That while it looks like an impossible wall in front of me, our God sees it as a victory that was already won. I love that. Somebody needs to say, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. Amen. Now notice something in this scripture. God promises Joshua that the victory is already his before the battle even starts. And then he goes to spell out, he goes on to spell out for Joshua what Joshua needs to do to receive the victory. I mean, this is a very interesting thing about God. It's like you'd expect that if God tells you that the victory is yours, that all you need to do next is sit back, eat some popcorn, and watch the movie. <laughs> it's like wait for God to do his thing, isn't it? It's like God has already promised I'm winning. What am I doing? It's just relax. But here's the thing. The way God works is that even though the victory is yours, he still gives you instructions to follow. 
God still wants you to wake up early. You still have to contend for it in prayer. You still have to fast. You still have to engage in warfare. And, I know, and, I, and, and that can be frustrating, isn't it? I mean, I get frustrated because it's like, God, already you know the victory. Just give it to me. And God still wants me to wake up and to do something. But here's the thing you need to understand. That even though you may feel like you're fighting, you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. The victory was already won from you. And what you're doing is maintaining the victory that's already won. The way I think about it is that God is giving you the privilege of not just sitting back and waiting for your inheritance, but of actively participating in taking over the territory that is yours. I mean, I think about it like a, somebody who wants to leave an inheritance for their child. Uh, if you have children and you know that one day they're going to inherit what you own and you believe that the Lord is going to bless you with a lot of wealth, amen, somebody, and you know that your children, you're bringing them up to inherit this, you know what you want to do? You want to teach them how to be responsible, isn't it? You want to teach them how to manage that estate you're going to pass on to them. You want to teach them how to not, not play around with it, but to take it seriously. That's what you want to do. Unfortunately, some parents make the mistake. They are so busy working to provide the inheritance for their children that they don't have time to teach their children how to manage inheritance. And that's why in this country, uh, especially, but I know in all over the world, you read stories of rich people who died, uh, rich pioneers who died, and then they left their children fighting and squandering the money that they left them because they made, they, they made the inheritance, but they didn't teach them how to manage the inheritance. But here's the thing I want to say. God is not like that. He wants to teach you how to manage your inheritance. He wants to train your people. And part of that training is teaching you to learn to listen to his instruction. Listen to his instruction. Psalm 144 verse 1. King David said a very powerful thing. And this is a verse that I know is one of our verses this year. I want you to memorize this verse if you haven't already. Praise be to the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I believe that's one of the things that God wants to do in and through us this year is to train us, teach us how to fight spiritual battles. As his children, he wants us to learn how to take over territory. I mean, the victory is ours, but God wants to give us the privilege of participating in securing that victory. And part of that training is learning to listen to his instructions. Now, as I say that, and I know you've said amen to that. If you didn't, you can say it now. <laughs> listen, let me warn you something about listening to God's instructions. Because this is where it gets interesting. Did you know that God's instructions are not always the most practical thing to do? God doesn't always tell you the thing that seems the most obvious thing to do. I mean, imagine you're Joshua and you're facing this imposing city with huge walls. You're leading a whole nation, men, women, children. You don't even have food reserves for them. And then God gives you some instructions that just sound really, really Weird. I even wonder how Joshua told the army these instructions because they don't make military sense. You notice what the instructions are. Number one, we're going to march around the city once a day for the next six days. Then the guys are like, uh-huh. And then? And then he says, we're going to have the Ark of the Covenant representing God's presence go in front of us. Then? Number three, we're going to put seven priests carrying trumpets in front of that Ark. And guys are still waiting for the military part. Okay, then, yeah, we hear that worship part. What about, then what happens? Then he says, on the seventh day, we're going to march around, not once, but seven times. And guys are getting a bit confused at this point. And then he says, we're going to have the priests blow the trumpets made of ram's horns as they march. And guys are still a bit confused. They're still waiting for the military strategy. And then God says, and then Joshua says, and then after that, we're going to shout. A loud shout. And then the wall will fall. 
<laughs> and then when the wall falls, enter and take over your territory. It's like, what are the chances that such a strategy can cause any wall to fall? I'm not even talking about a six-foot thick wall. The wall outside your house, that cathedral wall like this. Go and shout at it right now and tell me what happens. Like, like it's just ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. I mean, can you imagine this scenario? A th thousands of Israelites, they march up on the first day to go around the city. They're led by their priests. They're carrying that box that they call the Acts of the Covenant. They're blowing their ram's horns. And inside, of course, the first day, people of Jericho are scared to death because they're thinking there's a strategy here. We don't understand it. We've never seen anything like this. And they march around the whole city and then nothing happens. And they go back and sleep. And day two, they come again and they're doing exactly the same thing. And, 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 and then they go back and sleep. Nothing happens. And the third morning, they march around again. Nothing happens. But by this time, the people inside are beginning to relax. <laughs> Isn't it? They're beginning to think these guys are just foolish. Like they just have a lot of energy to waste. They're maybe making even their shouting insults over the wall. Don't you guys have anything better to do with your time? You know, the Israelites are looking so foolish. I mean, these people are thinking, are you nuts? Do you think by walking around, you're going to shake our walls until they get soft? Uh, do you think those trumpets of yours are going to destabilize our stones? Like, are you guys mad? And of course, as they're shouting those things, maybe the people of Israel are beginning to doubt. Like Joshua, did you hear what God said? Did you actually hear God? And maybe that's why Joshua, by the way, told them to be quiet. Joshua actually told them, be silent as you march. Maybe because he knew they were going to start complaining. And, and some people are going to start asking, Joshua, are you, are you sure you heard God correctly? Let me just tell you, this is how people think. It's like, is he sure? Like, how did God talk? Is it, was it a voice? Was it an angel? Like, how did you guys, did you tell you how he heard God? And then people are starting to say, this is embarrassing. We're looking foolish in front of people. People are looking at us weird. What kind of strategy is this? And they go back and they sleep. And the fourth day, they march around again and nothing happens. This time, probably filth and garbage is being thrown over the wall. And the people of Jericho are even beginning to party <laughs> and just celebrate the foolishness of these enemies. The fifth day, nothing happens. The sixth day, nothing happens. All the way to the seventh day. God's people, to be honest, God's instructions will often not make sense. When I'm faced with an obstacle or a challenge, I, and many, maybe most of us, we tend to trust our instincts. We tend to trust our gut. We tend to go with what feels right. You know, what feels like it will work for us. And God's instructions can often feel like the last thing that could work for me. I mean, does God really understand what's happening in my home? Like, Vitukwa ground? Yeah, Vitukwa ground is different. Things are different. You know, my, my spouse has wronged me. She's betrayed me. Maybe she's had an affair. And God says, forgive because I've forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. And you say, God, are you crazy? Like, how many times am I supposed to forgive this man? And he says, 70 times 7, Matthew 18, 22. And you're like, are you serious? I mean, it just sounds like God has no clue what's happening. Or, or maybe your finances are doing really badly. And God says, it's time for you to give your tithe. Ah, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Are you mad, God? What are you saying? Somebody's got to be crazy. It's like, God, are you thinking right? <laughs> or maybe you have crazy deadlines at work. And God is saying, it's time for you to abide with me. It's time for you to take January and just slow down. John 15 verse 4 to 9, abide with me because you can't bear fruit unless you're with me. Like really God, do you understand my boss? Do you understand that people are being laid off in my office? Like, 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 like the enemy floods your minds with all these messages telling you that your problems are not intimidated by those divine strategies of yours. Those prayers, how are they going to help you? How are they going to keep you, 
keep your job when everybody else is being fired? Uh, how will giving fast fruits help you pay school fees? I mean, this is just little demons whispering. How, how, will you read a, how will reading a chapter of the Bible each day help save your marriage? And you know, it's almost like you're, you're listening to all these things that are telling you, do something practical. Because God's advice doesn't always sound practical. I've come to see that there are basically four ways that we respond to God's instructions. The first way is my will, my way. My will, my way. Before I surrendered my life to Jesus, this is how I tended to operate. I faced every challenge by following my instincts, my gut, what felt right. I was a captain of my ship. I was the lord of my destiny. I was Jack Bauer, basically, uh, just with a black skin. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know God personally. But what I knew of him wasn't enough for me to feel I could trust him or anybody else with the most important decisions of my life. And some of you are exactly where I was. You're Jack Bowers. Sitting in church, looking very spiritual this morning, but that's exactly how you operate. My will, my way. With time, I began to discover a different response, maybe a better response, which is my will, God's way. See, after I've been a Christian, I came to the re realization that God is actually real and, and, and I should consult him with my decisions. But what I did, having known that, is I would still make my own plans and then I would spend time praying about them and asking God to bless them and make them happen. <laughs> so, so for example, you know, I, I know I need to start a business. I even know what business it should be. I even know how much money I want to make. So I make my business plan. And then before I execute, I bring it to God in prayer. In fact, I bring it to church, to the pastor to lay hands on it and pour oil and hopefully give blessings to this plan that I've made. And it's and, 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 and so funny to say it because I, 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 it happens in my life so many times. I remember two weeks ago, I bought a new speaker. And uh, it was a, it's a nice speaker. I really like my speaker. And I, I've, I'd been waiting for it. I wanted to show it off to my discipleship group. So they came home and I hadn't even unwrapped it until they got there. So I unwrapped, I, I made a show out of unwrapping it. I was like, guys, I got some sound. Uh, then I, what I did, is I, I took it out of the box that it had come in. I, I connected everything up, put everything together. And then I pressed play and nothing happened. And, and I remember just thinking, what in the world is this thing? I went around and checked all my connections and I pressed play again nothing happened. And then at that point I said, oh, by the way, did anybody see the manual? It's, it's like, it was comical because at that point now we're all looking for the manual. And as I was doing that, I started laughing because it reminded me that's exactly how I work with God many times. And many of us, that's how we work with God. We work until we get stuck. And then when we are stuck, we remember, uh, where is God? Does he have something to say about this? And I'm now in a mess. I'm stuck somewhere. Things are not working. I'm pressing play. My marriage is not working. And it's like, God, help my marriage. And that's my will, God's way. Anybody here feel me, by the way? Am I the only sinner in this church? <laughs> you know, many, many Christians operate in this way. But later on, I discovered another response, which is God's will, my way. God's will, my way. With time, you see, I came to realize that God has, actually has a good plan for my life. And his plan for me is better than my plan for myself. So nowadays, I've begun to ask God for wisdom and direction, even before I come up with a plan. Like tell him, Lord, I need a plan. Give me a plan. And I spend time praying to ask him to give me his plan. And every morning, I try to, when, I wait, when we spend time in prayer uh, at 4.30 or even before that for me, uh, I'll spend time just praying for guidance and for wisdom because I genuinely want to do God's will with my life. But here's the thing I often notice. As soon as I get into my day and I've prayed and I've covered the day in prayer, 
then it's almost like I put God aside and go, go full speed to do the thing that I think he's telling me, but in the most practical way that I know. I'm trying to do God's will, yes, but I'm trying it to, do, to do it the best way I know, which is my way. <laughs> and that's, and, and I, I know some of you may already be identifying with that. It's like, I know what God wants me to do. I have a sense I know what God wants me to do. But now it's like, okay, God, I got this. And it's like, I'm into it my way. But here's a fourth way, a fourth response that I've discovered that I believe God wants for every single one of us. And I really, I think you can guess what it is. God's will, God's way. God's will, God's way. And, and I'll say this, this is not my typical default setting. I tend to operate between number two and number three. <laughs> that's, my, that's if I'm really being honest. But I really want to change. I'm really praying. I mean, this is one of my prayers for myself, that God will help me to move into number four as my default setting. God's will, God's way. You see, God is not just interested in the what. He's also interested in the how. He has a plan for you, but he also has a strategy for how you're going to achieve that plan. And all he's waiting is for you to ask him in the middle of the going. I'm planning to not just ask God at the beginning of my day, what do you want me to do? But to keep consulting him throughout the day. Keep practicing his presence before every conversation, before every meeting, seeking to connect with him through the process. So I'm always hearing his voice and always seeking to hear what he's saying about that particular situation. And you see, that's what the Israelites did. As they marched around the city, circle after circle, I'm sure they could see the impossibility of their situation, but they marched anyway. They had God's instructions. They kept God's instructions in the back of their mind. God says we keep marching. He didn't just tell us to take the city, but he told us how we're going to take the city. And they walked in obedience. Seven full days, 13 circuits around that city. I mean, 13 circuits around a city, it doesn't matter how big a city. It's up, even your little town in, in, in upcountry, 13 times around it is a long walk, you know? And they did it every day. You need to understand, as they were marching, God wasn't buying time to figure out how to enter that city. God already knew how he was going to do it. The walls were not the problem. The walls are never the problem. The problem is always us. God has the problem. He has the power to bring down your walls today. Like this, one command. But many times he puts you in a holding pattern. And you feel like you're just going round and round and round in circles. You look back at your life and you're exactly where you are in January 2013. And you're frustrated because you've prayed. You look back and you look, it's even, some of you, it's even January 20, 2003. It's like you're still in the same place you are uh, all those years ago. But listen, this marching is not aimless. God is training you. He's training your hands for war and your fingers for battle. He's teaching you to obey even when it doesn't make sense. He's training you to do His will, His way. Come on, somebody. This is a God that we serve. And so He wants you to understand that there's a lesson for you to learn. And when you learn it, the wall will come tumbling down. And that's what is otherwise known as faith. Faith, Hebrews 11.30 tells us, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Huh. The walls of Jericho fell down. It says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. That, the, faith is not just intellectual belief. Yeah. Faith is demonstrating a deep confidence in the power of God yeah. by doing exactly what he has told you to do. Whether you feel like it or not, that's what faith is. If you study the story of faith through the Bible, you find that's exactly what happens. is people obeying God even when they didn't feel like it. Yeah. Faith is doing God's will God's way. Now, some of us are in a holding pattern right now. We've searched the scriptures. We've sought godly counsel. We've done the right things. We've prayed for, 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 godly, uh, for, for guidance. 
but it just feels like we're still going around, marching around these walls. Things are still moving slowly. The thing we thought would take months has taken, has taken years. And in those years, some of you have even turned into decades. And your enthusiasm has begun to lag. You feel like you're stuck in the mud. You feel like you've, begun, you've, you've even become, when you're honest, you realize you become skeptical and maybe even critical. And doubt has taken dead aim at your faith. And you've tortured yourself with questions. Why should it be like this? Why couldn't the Lord have set it up another way? And you know, I want to say this to you, God's person, God, God's son, God's daughter. Listen, God could have done it differently. God could have snapped his finger and the wall would have fallen down. But many times God allows us to go around that city for our sake. So that we learn to hear his voice and only his voice and to follow it by faith. Remember, faith is doing God's will, God's way, even when you don't feel like it. And that brings me to my final point. The real battle of Jericho was not the, the thing facing the Israelites. It wasn't the walls of Jericho. It wasn't the Canaanite armies. The real battle of Jericho was in the hearts of God's people. Do you notice the battle with Jericho was already won. That one God told them even before they started, that battle was already won. But the battle they had to win was the battle of the heart. Would they still believe in God and what he had said if it would risk their humiliation? If those walls would not come down as they had hoped? Would they risk looking absurd from a human point of view in order to obey God in the word that he had given them? You see, the real battle you're facing this year is not the obstacles you're seeing in front of you. I know those things look impossible, but God has said the battle is already won. <laughs> That's not your battle. The real battle is not what's outside of you, it's what's inside of you. Will you do things God's way or will you be tempted to give up and do them your way? Because faith is doing God's will, God's way. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said it was by faith that the walls came down. The, the, the walls came down by faith. The, 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 the walls fell to the ground, not by, by, by the shouts, not by the noise, not by the trumpets, not by the prayers, not by the strategy. They fell because the Israelites were doing God's will, God's way. That's the same way your walls are going to come down, somebody. Come on. I, I see your walls coming down, somebody. And they're going to come down because of your faith, doing God's thing, God's will, God's way. And as I conclude, I want to say this here, God wants you to be unshakable. God wants you to thrive regardless of the challenges, the obstacles, the storms that come your way. And one of the ways you're going to guarantee it is if you choose to become a man or woman of faith. One who decides that today <laughs> and that in every situation that is facing you, that you will not do the same old, same old. You will not revert to the same patterns you used in the past. You will not live life the same way. But that 2024 is the year you began to do God's will, God's way. I believe today that there's someone watching this who needs to give your life to Jesus. You're here, you've never given your life to Jesus before, or maybe you've given it to him in the past, but you walked away. And today you've been convinced of the fact that like I was many years ago, you're living in active rebellion. You're doing your will, your way. I believe that today, God is calling you to turn that around, to, to, to move away from that, that place where you can never, you can never overcome the obstacles in your life, your will, your way, because God already has your victory. He made you for a purpose. And all he's waiting is for you to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I will do it your way. And if you're here and you're saying, I want to start 2024 knowing Jesus, covered by God, walking with my creator, then I'd love to lead you in a prayer. So I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads. And anybody who's here, who's ready to say this prayer, if you just say it after me, dear Jesus, I come to you today to ask for your forgiveness. 
I am a sinner. I have done it my will, my way. But from today, I come to you and I ask you to come into my life, to fill me with your Holy Spirit and to help me to do it, to do your will, your way. I give you my life. I am your child and you are my father. And the enemy has nothing on me because I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just appreciate anybody who's made that prayer. It's so good. I'm so proud of you. Hey, listen, send us an email, info at mavunochurch.org and we'll be so happy to send you material information that will help you to grow. If you're in a viewing center uh, or watching with a friend, you can also tell them the decision you've made uh, so that they can also be in prayer for you. We, I can't wait to see what God does in your life in 2024 because of that prayer. Lord, I also want to pray. Let me just conclude in prayer. Father, I also want to pray for everyone else who is here who is committing to, to live life in 2024, God's will, God's way. And I pray for you that as you do this, that you will see God coming through for you, that God will give you the grace to help him, to be aware that you will inquire of the Lord for all your decisions this year and that you will follow him even when you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense. And as you do so, may the Lord help us all to be unshakable. God's people, I bless you now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people say it together. Amen. God bless you, Mavuno. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week full of God's grace. And may you be unshakable.